Simple Life Together, Episode 11, Becoming Minimalist with Joshua Becker. And but wait, there's more. Hi, and welcome to Simple Life Together, a podcast dedicated to leading a simpler life in the modern world. I'm Dan Hayes. And I'm Vanessa Hayes. Welcome back to Simple Life Together. On the last show, we talked about how clutter affects your life and secret but simple military communication techniques. Today, we have a very special guest joining us, Joshua Becker from BecomingMinimalist.com. And Dan will be sharing his experiences from the 2013 Consumer Electronics Show, which was held in Las Vegas last week. All right, so let's get started. You know, Dan and I can talk all day about simplicity, but we did promise that from time to time, we'd invite guests on the show to share their expertise on how to live a simpler life. Well, today we have an amazing guest with us. He is Joshua Becker, and he is an inspirational leader in the world of simplifying and minimalism. We first met Joshua at the World Domination Summit. It's fun. It keeps coming up. Yeah, sure does. <laughs> but, uh, but we were following his work long before that. So basically, Joshua Becker blogs at becomingminimalist.com, where he inspires others to find more in life by owning fewer possessions. He has written a number of books on the subject. His most recent book, Living with Less, An Unexpected Key to Happiness, was released last fall. If you'd like more information, you can find it at becomingminimalist.com slash speaking. We got to warn you, though, you might get stuck on his site there for a while because it is an amazing site that is absolutely packed with terrific yes. articles. And we'll be sure to put links in the show notes uh, to Joshua's books and also to his blog. So without further delay, welcome, Joshua, and thanks for joining us. Well, good day. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for the um, overemphasized introduction. <laughs> Come on. I like it. It's kind of minimal. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Um, well, you know, I just skimmed the surface a bit in the intro, but we'd like to start off with, with this. Who are you, and how do you make people's lives simpler? Sure. Um, I am a typical uh, suburban husband and father uh, who luckily stumbled onto this idea of minimalism a few years back and found great joy in it, found more life in living with fewer possessions. And so what I do, what I spend a lot of my time doing is just inspiring people to find more in life by owning less stuff. Uh, it, um, I read a research statistic one time that said the average American sees 5,000 advertisements every day. That's amazing. And they all, they all um, call us to buy more and get more and mm -hmm. purchase bigger, and then our lives would improve because of it. And it just occurred to me that there's no one, there are very few people with the opposite message, that your life would actually be better owning less. That's and right. so I've found great joy in inspiring people to think a little bit differently about what they own and how they live. We love that. It's That's kind great. of the path that we're on too now, you yeah. know. Well, could you tell us about the catalyst that helped you decide to become minimalist and if there were any other factors or events leading up to your decision? Sure. The, the decision for us happened in a, a moment. Um, it, it didn't take much time at all. Um, it was actually in a conversation with my neighbor who, uh, who made this simple statement. She said, well, maybe you don't need to own all this stuff. Uh, and um, it was all that I needed. There were a number of things that, that led up to it. I like to say I've always had two avenues of discontent in my life. I've never been very satisfied with my finances. Uh, not that we were in debt, but always paycheck to paycheck. I always knew 
one emergency away from being in debt. Right. Uh, the second, the second avenue of discontent in my life was just a. I, I didn't know. Uh, I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was just getting frustrated with where my time and energy and where my focus was going. Mm -hmm. And so this all kind of came to a head on a Saturday afternoon. Um, we were living up in Vermont, and I went to spring clean out the garage. <laughs> oh, uh, fun. Out. Yeah, definitely in Vermont with all the mud and snow. <laughs> all right. I had, uh, had pulled everything out of the garage, and it was sitting in the driveway, my four-year-old son was in the backyard playing on a swing, asking me to come play with him, uh, but I couldn't because I, I had to finish this project of taking care of the garage that I did every single spring and wow. happened to strike up a conversation with my neighbor, and I was just probably complaining more than anything about how, how much effort was going into taking care of the house and, and taking care of all the things that I owned, and she looked at the pile of stuff in my garage and looked at my son alone in the backyard and, and said, well, you know, my daughter's a minimalist and she keeps telling me that I don't need to own all this stuff. And just the, the juxtaposition, I think, of all my time <laughs> taking care of all these dusty possessions, sitting in my driveway while uh, the, the thing that I valued the most was alone in the backyard was just enough for me to, to realize um, that, yeah, this, this stuff is taken away from what's really most important to me. And, and uh, I said, I, I'm not sure what minimalism is, but I'm, I'm in. <laughs> that, was, uh, that, was the that was the catalyst and the background leading up to it. Well, awesome. you know, I mean, and you paint a perfect picture as far as, you know, that you had this one, this moment and with all the reasons to go for becoming, you know, minimalist. Whereas like for us, for Dan and I, it was kind of, it was, I think, a series of events and over time. Yeah. And, and to me, if there was any culminating event, it was actually at World Domination Summit where I met some other like-minded folks. And I didn't even know that I was thinking this way, really. But it, it's like it all, it's like I was just meant to be there. <laughs> and it was meant to meet, you know, folks like you and other like-minded people. And so, but it's interesting how, you know, it can be one event or just kind of a series, a series of things yeah. that kind of lead you up to that decision. Yeah. Being a, a military yep. family, we moved a lot too. So we we um, uh, you know moving junk from here to Florida, and then two years later uh, moving the same junk back. And in some cases, the boxes weren't even opened. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. you know. But uh, but we ha we hung on to them. Yeah, but we're <laughs> we're changing that now. Okay, so Joshua, you said that you're in. You're all ready for it. You didn't know what it was. You're ready to look into it. But can you tell us how you approached your wife about your idea to pursue minimalism and what her reaction was and your collective decision to move forward? Yeah, the, the conversation is, is very clean at the beginning, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it, it works quite well for a while. We can get, we can get more into it um, later as we go. But, sure. uh, you know, initially, so, so I was outside. Um, my neighbor introduced me for the first time to the idea of, of living with less stuff on purpose. And uh, um, I agreed and went inside, and my wife had been spring cleaning the inside of the house. Mm. And as I approached her, she was cleaning the bathroom. I can remember she was on her hands and knees scrubbing the bathtub, probably the second or third bathroom that she cleaned that oh, day. Jeez, yeah. <laughs> and I, I stood outside the door, and, and I said, you wouldn't believe this conversation I just had with Joan, our neighbor. She told me that we don't need to own all this stuff. And she looked at me from scrubbing the bathtub, <laughs> and I, I think her exact comment was, why don't you look into that a little bit? <laughs> so, 
I mean, she was as frustrated just after spending all day um, cleaning as, as I was. So it was the that's kind of a clean beginning to it, and and she was in, and and I was in, and and uh, we we kind of embarked on the journey. That's amazing. So so no pushback initially, right? But uh, are we going to get to some later? You have my interest peaked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would, uh, I, there was, there was no pushback first and I, I'd like to describe it probably the best way is if I was, if I was 80% in of getting rid of stuff, she was 60% in. Oh, okay. okay. And yeah. so we had, we had different definitions of what that meant of owning with, owning less stuff. And so, uh, the first 60% of things, you know, getting rid of the first 60% was easy mm-hmm. and, and we were just kind of sailing right through. And then we kind of reached this threshold where, I wanted to keep going and, and getting rid of more, but she had kind of reached this contentment phase of, of where we are. And so then kind of the, the pushback and the compromise kicked in. Okay. Yeah. And right. I think we are going to probably ask about how to, to make that work, especially with, with couples. And, yeah. I have and a follow-up question on right. that a little later, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to talk about that. Okay. So, so here's just, here's a question that comes up, you know, in conversation that I have with either colleagues or friends and peers. Um, but how do you define or explain minimalism and what does it physically look like to you and maybe how does it feel you know i think the the first reaction that people have to it it, the the first definition that comes to their mind when they when they hear the idea is they start to think of living with nothing (laughs) like living with with zero possessions or one thing you know getting down to this super minimum number and 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 that's that's correct. I mean, it is the, the surface definition is let's live with less stuff and let's live with just the essential things and get down to what our minimum number is. But for me, I've, I've, I've kind of rounded out the definition a little bit over the years. And I, I've begun to say it's not just about living with less stuff, but it's about um, promoting the values that are most important to you and then removing everything that distracts you from it. Wow. And we, because as we began getting rid of things and going through different rooms in the house saying, okay, why do we have this and do we need it and can we live without it? We were forced to say, okay, what do we want to accomplish with our lives? What, yeah, what do we want, what do we want to be about? And, and if something we own is not helping us get there, then let's get rid of it. But on the flip side, if we do own something that is helping us serve our, our bigger life purposes, then, then we need to keep it so that we can you know, be who we think that we're called to be and designed to be and accomplish what we want to accomplish. So right. that's kind of the, the shorter definition and the longer definition for me as well. And I, and I find the longer definition is more attractive to people. Right. Yeah. Like who doesn't want who, who doesn't want to align their possessions with what they what they most value? Right. That uh, that appeals to people, and they can grasp that easier than well, I'm just going to live out of a backpack. But you're right. I mean, you know, you just everyone wants that they want this easy explanation of what it is. But it's a little bit, even though minimalism by the the definition is just very minute or just small a number. But but really, it's not an easy process. It's not an easy thing to just simply you know to define. But when you wrap, I think when you take the next step to to kind of connect it to what your values are, that really is taking it to a higher level of understanding of what minimalism really can be to you. And it's going to be different for from person to person, couple to couple, and, and so on. 
Absolutely. I think it helps just to bring greater intentionality into your life where your, where your money's going, where your time's going, uh, where your energy's going. And, and um, uh, people tend to find that very attractive and, and as I like to say, very life-giving. You know, breathe, right. breathe new life into, into the life that they're living. I love it. Yeah, I don't think that, you know, that just having too much, it really does detract. I mean, it's a, there's a, you know, if I was a statistician, there's definitely a negative correlation between the more you own, I think, the less happy you are in my mm-hmm. opinion, where I think we have, I think as human beings, we're endowed with, uh, you know, if we have more people in our lives, our, the, the, our ability to love and care for them is multiplied. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that applies to stuff. You <laughs> right. know, you can't, you just don't have, that's not multiplied. You can't enjoy everything that you have. You know, I think I may have even mentioned this on a previous podcast, but there was a client that, um, that I, it wasn't my client, it was a colleague's client. But she had said something. You know, she's she's wealthy, um, and she needed help getting organized. And but she was frustrated because her and her husband weren't on the same sheet of music, you know. And they were having relationship issues. It was just kind of it was kind of sad because they're wealthy. And she says, you know, I have everything and nothing. So she has all these possessions, all this money to do with what she wants. But yes, yeah, she was seriously lacking what really matters, and that's like a really strong, important relationship. And she didn't have it. So it was kind of profound. When I heard her say that, it just made me think that we f- folks can get to that level, that point, when they just have too many possessions. Money doesn't buy happiness. And so you, you hear that term, but to see it um, and maybe even to live that, you understand a little bit better. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone, you know, if pushed, would ever say that possessions are going to make me happy. Like, no one no one really believes that in, in their heart. It's just, like I said, we've just been told the message so many times that we start to buy into it, and we don't even know that we bought into <laughs> yeah. it, just unintentionally gone down this path. And, and we don't realize how much of our time and energy are being wasted by the things we own, just because it's amassed over time, and it's become our life, and... And only when we start removing them do we start to recapture some of that stuff that we've, um, some of those finite resources that, that we've lost. It's so yeah. true. So true. Okay, so this is a perfect lead into the next question. <laughs> well, at least for me, because, <laughs> you know, so you explain what minimalism, you know, the long definition, so to speak. But can you, can you describe how long it took for you to get to the point where you call yourself a minimalist? And can you maybe just kind of briefly explain that process? Yeah, I I even shy away from calling myself a minimalist. Okay, yeah. I, I, I prefer to say I'm I'm still becoming a minimalist. Right. Um, maybe maybe that's an excuse more more than anything. <laughs> but I uh, but I, I I find that it's a it's a journey. Uh, it really isn't something, at least for me, uh, where I've said okay, I own these things and it's never going to change. Um, but especially I, I have two kids that are growing, uh, 10 and six and, and they're just, they're changing who they are and it just requires, um, flexibility. You know, things come, things come into the home, things come into our life and, right. and other things and other things leave. So for, for us, the, the journey continues. Um, I would say that the initial push of, you know, getting rid of things to a point that, that we were, content. Um, most of that took place over a, about a year and a half time, but probably the, there was a primary push for the first six months where we got rid of a bunch of things and then a, a secondary push over the next year of, of refining that down even further. Um, we moved uh, a year and a half ago. We moved from Vermont to Arizona, which allowed us to 
we didn't do it on purpose, but it allowed us to get rid of even some more things over the course of, of the move. And um, so there's, there's been a number of levels, I think, that we've, we've gone through over the years of, of pushing a little bit deeper and, and getting rid of even more. And, and I, I mean, I, I look around in my closet now and sometimes think I, I could probably live with even less than I have now if, mm-hmm. if yeah. I really wanted to push myself in that way. Yeah, I look at our closet all the time and say, I could live with a lot less of Vanessa's stuff. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just joking. But, it's true, I have too many shoes. <laughs> but, you know, uh, oh, geez, I just totally lost my train of thought. Well, I, Go ahead. Oh, I, I wanted to piggyback on, on that, Joshua. And, and I think, you know, becoming minimalist, it's, it's perfect, but um, it really is, it's a lifestyle. It, and it's you know to say that I am minimalist now, like it, I got to this process, and now there's just a, there's this one end state, and that's it. I think you're right. I think it's just it's you're constantly evolving, discovering. You know, sometimes you're I don't know that your values necessarily change, but priorities do change. And like you said, with a family, it does make things a little bit more complex. You know, we've got a family of four as well. We've got a 15 year old boy and a five year old daughter, and so. You know, that little one, she definitely wants a lot of stuff. You know, she's all into the toys, and it's just trying to teach her at a small, you know, young age. That's not what's so important. I want her to have stuff. I want her to have fun. But at the same time, I want her to value our time together as a family and being creative and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I remembered what I was going to say, too. <laughs> um, I also, I think we both um, shied away from the, using the term minimalism at first for our podcast because – it does. I think some people misinterpret it, and they they think. I guess this, like you explained, the kind of the stereotypical live in a all white room and it has nothing in it but a chair and all that. And that's and that's certainly not how we live. I totally respect these folks who do so like do these hundred yeah. things challenges, and if they're happy and and all that, that's great. But uh, uh, having kids adds that new dimension of you know you, they can't just get by and be a kid and have fun with just a stick and a rock, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I, I would say at the very beginning, um, it maybe took, you know, after that initial conversation, maybe took me two weeks to to have experienced the benefits of living with less enough to say, yeah. okay, I'm in, I'm I'm going to intentionally live with fewer possessions for the rest of my life. Like, it, it didn't take me long to get to, to that decision and, and that definition of minimalism that I was going to purposefully live with less. And then the the stuff around it, the actual possessions that I own is, is an ongoing process for right. us and, and um, for me. Good. I think that's yeah. going to probably help the listeners out, too, that are trying to simplify. Yeah, we're, we're having a, um, we, call, we call it the uh, edit and forget it challenge and oh. uh, living uh, life with fewer things. So 2013 fewer things in, in 2013. And really, we've had a good number of folks sign up for the challenge to get rid of that that many things. And but one of the things we're really pushing in it is, it's not about the number. It's mm-hmm. not about. It's about the process that you get um, by evaluating each item and knowing. You know, there's there's a, there's I guess a continuum of okay. There's on on one end of the scale. There's okay. That's clutter. It's junk. It needs to be out of here. Boom. It's gone. Right. And on the other end is. Wow, this thing is kind of sentimental to me, and you know, do I do I really love it? And if I do, um, where do I keep it in my life? And where does it align with those things that we value? Right, the, the same thing that you were saying is where does it align with the yeah. things we value exactly? Yeah. Family, faith, yeah, finances. Great. Yeah, exactly. So that uh, that that number is a good one. Two thousand and thirteen. It's because <laughs> it's it's more than it's more than the 
the low hanging fruit, you know, it's more than the easy thing right. to get rid of it. It does start to, to stretch at least a typical family, I would think you sure. know, into that, into that next level of, okay, what else can we, can we live without? Right. Yeah. I mean, Vanessa being a professional organizer, we candidly don't have a lot of clutter around. Uh, it, it is, we, we've gotten rid of over, I guess, 300, over 300, over 300 things, things this month. Yep. And, um, from now on, the, like you said, that's a low hanging fruit from now on. It's going to be pretty, it's a, a deliberate thought process on each item, I think. Yep, sure is. Yep. So those are physical things, but as far as with minimalism, um, for you, Joshua, does it also include mental and digital clutter? Uh, yes. Uh, definitely. Um, I, I think that I, uh, it, it, you know, I think it found, I found, I found that it brought greater intentionality into everything that I do in life. And, and it starts this thought process of, you know, what is adding value, what is meaningful to me and, and what is not. And so it certainly, uh, certainly began to uh, affect my my media consumption in many ways. Affects the affects the way I work. Um, affects the way I use a computer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I even um, talk about clutter and you know, mental clutter, like being with bad relationships yeah, or maybe, overcommitment. Exactly, overcommitment to things, and and so I and it's it's interesting. Yeah, physical clutter is one thing, but you know, part of the process too is really. To simplify your life, you got to let go of some of those, you know, those bad relationships, or just just trying to do too much, trying to be super mom, you know, and super professional and super everything. And it's just because what's going to happen is when you try to achieve all that, something else is going to sacrifice, and usually that's your family. I think I've seen it with my clients at least, and and even through personal experiences, you know, you overcommit to certain things. You know, so if you're overcommitting to this, you're sacrificing, you know, probably some valuable time at home. Do you find, if I could ask you a question, um, do you find that, <clears throat> uh, um, I, I think I found this to be true and I would be interested in your experience with, with your uh, occupation, do you, do you find that as people remove physical clutter, that the opportunity to remove the overcommitted schedule, the, the bad relationships, does it, does it become easier for them to make those decisions once physical clutter has been removed or does it go either way on that? Um, it can go either way, but more often than not, it empowers them. They feel like yeah. a weight. I mean, the common things I hear is that, man, a weight has yeah. been lifted off of my shoulders. I feel so free. I feel like it can, can, I can conquer anything. I'm ready to rule the world. I'm ready to start doing things that I wasn't able to do because I was just you know, compounded and just I'm suffocating with my physical things or my digital things. And, but, uh, no, I would think that actually it's, it's a lot more empowering for them. And so that they are better able to kind of take a stand or just make some tougher decisions to kind of free themselves from even just outside clutter, I guess. So yeah, it's great. Uh, that's what I love about my job is when I can actually, <laughs> there's a few challenges, but that's, I really love kind of serving people. Um, you know, and uh, I really love empowering them and helping them feel a little bit free from their possessions. Yeah, I think a lot of times it's um, like a lot of other things. People feel like they need permission to do things. And once they have that, I think it really is an empowerment. Yeah, I give thing. them the permission slip. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's okay. It's okay to let go of those things, you know. So thanks that's for asking the question. 
<laughs> no, that's the problem. I, I think that's a great way to look at it. I, I always say my, I mean, my conversation with my neighbor, no one had ever told me I could live with less stuff before, or at least I didn't hear anyone ever tell me that before. And it was the first person to, um, yeah, give me permission to, to go down a different road. Yeah. Love it. So in your book, Inside Out Simplicity, you talk about healthy relationships. Now, I know from personal and professional experience that it's, it's a lot easier when um, the couples are on the same sheet of music, so to speak. But what advice would you give if couples have different ideas of what simplifying is? Sure, and and like I mentioned a little bit a little bit earlier, I mean we we got to that point after a while. Uh, at first, we we were on board, and and then we started kind of pushing into this new ground, and and I, I had to start evaluating some some different things in my life, and and it was actually one of the most um, it was one of the first posts that I had put on the Becoming Minimalist blog where I. I tried to offer help for others, as opposed to just writing about our personal journey. Began, you know, trying to inspire some other people, and you know, some of the some of the lessons that I I learned early on, and and try to help other people understand and even refine some of this thinking over the years is um, number one. I I always tell people because I had to get to this point where I had to remember my commitment to my spouse, and and so mm-hmm. for married couples, you know the. The commitment is for better or worse, and richer right. or poorer, and 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 I, I had to I had to return to that, and and not that I was ever thinking about you know getting rid of my wife because she owns too much stuff, <laughs> but uh, but just just remembering that that over the years we've we've always had disagreements on life, and we've always had different mm-hmm. worldviews, and and we don't agree on everything all the time, and so this is just going to be another thing where we're going to have differing views as, as to what that means, what that means for our life. But, you know, just remembering the, the commitment first, first and foremost, and, and not letting our, you know, possessions or definition of simplicity, you know, get in between us too much. Um, second of all, I, I had to learn that I, I just have to start with my own stuff. Uh, it's far easier in a relationship to notice the other person's yeah. clutter than it is to notice our own clutter. And even after giving seminars of these, one of the first questions I always get is, what do I do about my husband's stuff? What do I do about my wife's, my wife's clothing? And it's just so much easier to notice the other person's clutter than it is to notice our own. But just getting rid of our own personal things um, frees up space in the home and, and frees up um, time and energy in our lives if we would just start there and focus there and not worry about the other person. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, I love that. And yeah. I, I guess I do that with my clients and not realize it, but you know, cause I'll, I'll point out that, okay, well, yeah, this person has a lot of clutter, but what about this? Is this yours? Oh yeah, that's mine. That's mine. That's mine. I'm like, mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. and, and then they have that light bulb go off. Okay. Yeah. I guess I should get rid of my stuff too. So yeah, that's a leadership <laughs> exactly. by example thing, right? Yeah. There yeah, you go. exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of common ground that that couples can find that that they're not thinking of. They they tend to uh, they tend to I, I find this that people always rush to the hardest thing to get rid of. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about living with and they would say, well, what about my sentimental items? What about this? What about that? I can never get rid of those things. And and I say, well, don't right. you don't start getting rid of no. those things. Mm-hmm. Start start with the easy stuff that you know you don't need anymore, and and work your way up to some of those things. And and couples in the same way, they they tend to think, oh, my husband will never get rid of his tools in the garage. Well, <laughs> don't start with the tools in the garage. Start mm-hmm. with the 
the pantry or the the dishes or the or the shoes. You know, you, you can find common ground right. typically where where people can agree on things. Okay, you're right. I I don't need this. I uh, I can get rid of that as well. And taking it slowly, leading by example, modeling, um, uh, having patience and and grace with your spouse and. And ultimately, over time, I, I think that they start to see the benefit of the life you're living and the joy you're experiencing and, and um, uh, begin to embrace it little, little by little. Yeah, I think that's, that's great advice. And I know it used to really, or it still does, it occasionally frustrates Vanessa about me is uh, as we walk in the house, we have a, a drop zone where things are supposed to go. Literally two feet from that is a dining room table where I tend to set my stuff down. Because it's convenient. Now, honestly, I do it without even thinking most of the time. it's a flat surface and it's convenient. Yeah. And that really was a point of frustration for Vanessa. So she would move it because that's her natural tendency is to move it and put it where it goes. And then I would be, where's my stuff? Well, I put it where it goes. And then I would get frustrated. And the whole thing, you know, so there's this cycle of of frustration. And it really was, the whole thing was caused by me not thinking and putting it right there. If I wouldn't have put it there, that breaks that cycle of frustration. But then I also was having expectations of, well, it's a clean, it's a, just because it's a flat service, you're not supposed to pile it. Let's put it away. Right. That's why we've created homes for everything in the house. But I had to actually, we had to talk about yeah. it. We just had to say, okay, this is my comfort level. What's your comfort level? And we just kind of, you know, you kind of come to um, somewhat of a compromise, you know, and which is going to happen in any relationship. Right. And so, so it's like you say, it's a point of grace, taking other people's feelings into consideration and, and starting to change with yourself. So that's something I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I would also say this too, though, because um, I think all your points are wonderful. You know, the patience, doing things slowly, starting with something easy and so forth. But I also think that you need to really be honest. If your spouse's clutter is really, really affecting you, and now there's, there's like you said, there's being tactful and <laughs> being polite and nice about it. You know, there's kind of diplomacy even with your spouse, but you need to be honest. You know, if you keep ignoring it or enabling them with their current condition, it's only going to create animosity and resentment down the road. Um, but I think it's baby steps though. You know, you can't just say, we got to clear this entire house out now or we're getting a divorce type of thing. <laughs> you know, that's pretty severe. But I yeah. think, like you said, remember your commitment to your spouse when you got married and then kind of take baby steps from there. But you got to be honest too. Leave it, uh, leave it to the man being interviewed to forget to say communication. Yes. <laughs> as, as an important key. And, and certainly if, I mean, certainly if it's a major life change, you know, if, you, sure. if, if your spouse married you one way and, and suddenly you have this epiphany overnight, you, you stumble upon this podcast right. and you're like, I'm in, you know, you, uh, you need to communicate with your spouse about, you know, the, your new view on life and, and what you're hoping to accomplish and why you're hoping to accomplish it and, and uh, finding compromise along the way, for sure. Absolutely. Right. So we've got just a couple more questions here. In Living With Less, an unexpected key to happiness simply for students. You tell a story about your son and his birthday money. I think every parent has experienced that at some point. Could you describe that experience and give us some advice to those of us with kids about how to deal with the constant consumer pitch of more, 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 and bigger is better from every aspect of the media? Yeah, the the story took place. My um, son had gotten some money for his birthday, and he had decided that he wanted to buy a, a skateboard uh, so we went to Toys R Us, which was the um, closest store that we were at. And this had, this was uh, a little bit into our into our journey um, towards minimalism and, and living with less. So we 
we walk into this Toys R Us, and he his eyes immediately um, get really wide open, you know, and he begins seeing all the the different things that he could buy with his with his money. Um, I'm trying to make a beeline to the to the skateboard section, and he's just being drawn all over the place, and he 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 finds this pop-up dinosaur tent and he and he and he decides that he wants that rather than rather than the skateboard and it was just a for me it was a very uh personal journey because i i I had to talk him talk him out of it you know sit down Mm -hmm. and you know what that that dinosaur tent doesn't even come with the dinosaurs that are on the on the box and i gotta last that long and i think you find more value out of a skateboard and and so, um, walking him, walking him through that, and and for me, mm-hmm. it was a very a personal realization of just asking the question: Who do I have that's helping me spend my money uh, correctly? Wow. I, 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 I can look at all the things I was getting rid of and the things I was removing from my life, and thinking, man, I wish I had someone to talk me out of these purchases um, back in the day. Yeah. So, um, so for for him and and he's he's ten now, and and my daughter's six, and I, I find that their personalities are very different. Uh, my son is is very content with little, uh, has never wanted never wanted a lot, but if he's got a basketball and a football to play with, he you know he can <laughs> uh, he can he can be just fine. As opposed to my daughter, who seems like she can never have enough Barbie dolls in her <laughs> right? in her room and and grabs rocks from the park and wants to bring them home. And, Sounds like our daughter. Uh, you know, she's she's very. Very much a collector, um, so it's been it's been interesting parenting parenting both of them. Um, but uh, but for me, I I think the the lesson of living with less in a in a culture that that is always um, telling us to consume more, you know, the the lesson is countercultural. Um, it's it's a value that that they're not going to get anywhere else other than other than their parents. And so uh, I try to be very intentional about it. I try to. I try to model it for them first and foremost. Their their kids are always going to catch more out of the way we live than than the things that we say. Yeah. Um, I I tend to look for teachable moments. Um, I tend to be very sensitive to that, and whether it be the the tent scenario in the department store. Uh, we were in an amusement park one time, and and my son wanted to buy a. Uh, a sword or something, you know, at, at the, at the fair and, <laughs> right. or he, or he wanted, I forget how he, how he stumbled across this sword, but he, he won it. And then, and then he asked me to carry it <laughs> oh, through the, through the rest of the amusement park. Right. And, uh, and I, and I thought, I'm not going to carry this right. for you. If, if you want to own it, then you, you can take the responsibility and, and care for it. And so I, I made him carry it around the park and uh, it didn't, <laughs> It didn't seem like a huge deal at first, but then I get home and he's got all his toys in the toy room, and I and I go to start picking them up, and I'm like, wait a minute, wait a if minute. I'm oh. if I'm doing all this for him, he's not even understanding the responsibility of owning stuff and and how much time it it takes away from other things. So finding those teachable moments, um, help them understand our our uh, our thinking behind it, always. Uh, always praising him when he when he makes positive choices. You know, always encouraging him, not just you know negative repercussions, but positive reinforcement when he's making uh, when he's making good choices. And and then um, and then with my daughter, I just you know pray a little bit harder. And 
yeah. do the same thing. And, and, you know, ultimately it's going to be their lives. Um, they're going to make their choices. Um, yeah. But you, you have your, your time to shape them with, with any value. You know, I don't sure. think it's different than, than any value you try to instill in your kids. Right. And, um, shape them and mold them and, and then trust that they'll make the right decision when they get older. It's so funny. We are so programmed by media that, you know, our, our five-year-old is at the point where she'll come up and, you know, you'll cough a little bit. And she, Do you have cough due to cold? Or you're working on your computer. You need to go to finally, com. You know, and it's like, you know, they just don't learn. I mean, that, they, they just absorb that stuff. They learn everything from on TV if they watch, even for a half an hour. Right, right. And you got to unprogram that. Yeah, so you know, uh, less, less television is a is an important. I mean, it's a it's a big one. It's, it's oh, yeah. an important one. You you can just see the difference in your in your kids after you know half hour television, hour television. You know, their cheeks are red and they're you know they they just have especially around Christmas time. Yeah. You know, oh, you know what else I want on my Christmas uh-huh. list? I want this and this yeah. and this and. And absolutely has. I would say, you know, advertisers don't spend billions of dollars hoping that it's going to work. They they spend that much money because they know full well that that it works and that it influences our decisions. Well, it sounds like we have very similar teaching styles and parenting styles because that's the exact same thing that we do with our children. We try to explain to them, you know, kind of things that are truly important, what's probably not important, trying to help them make the decisions. and at the same time, though, but we have to practice what we preach, and, and we try to do the same thing, just like you were saying. So, great advice. That's great. Okay, um, in your book, Simplify, you say that living simply is the real secret to financial freedom. How have you found that to be true in your journey, and do you have any financial pointers for us? You know, the, the simplest solution to almost all of our money problems is spend less. Right. <laughs> yeah. it's uh it's interesting but that i mean that really is the solution to to almost i mean there's catastrophes and emergencies that they get right. away but sure. but uh it, it but instead we always think that that the solution is make more you know if we if we make more money if we start this business if we work harder if we get this raise then then our money problems and our money anxiety is going to be fixed but it it never is. It never works going that way. If we if we make more money, we just spend more money. And mm-hmm. and at some point, you know, we just have to say, you know what, spending less is is the solution. Right. It is the thing to do. And so for us, like I mentioned, it was it was one of our, you know, avenues of discontent was just just financially never being able to get ahead, always knowing that we are one emergency away from from um, going into debt so sure. uh, absolutely I mean you you buy less stuff and and you have more uh, you have more money uh, we got a, a lot more intentional about budgeting and and being um, uh, very thoughtful uh, and strategic about how much money we had and where it was going and and where we could um, cut back I was talking to a um, financial advisor one time and he was talking about the financial problems that people have and he said, you know, Josh, I, I find that, that most people get into debt, they get into financial trouble for one of three reasons. They, they've either bought too much house, uh, they have um, spent too much on vehicles, mm-hmm. flipping them over too much, buying, you know, taking out payments, buying more than they should have. Or the third thing is that they eat out too often. Yeah. And those were the, the three things. And uh, I've always tried to, to measure my life uh, around those three categories, but his point was always that all of our financial, most of our financial problems come from too much 
something, right. um, whatever that may be. Too many, too much clothes, uh, too much entertainment, too much alcohol. You know, there it could be any any one of those things. And um, I've just found cutting down intentionally has has offered up the you know brand new freedom and opportunity for us financially. Well, it's interesting though, Joshua, is that when since we started this 2013 uh, Edit and Forget It challenge. Um, we are a lot more intentional about what we buy because it defeats the purpose, you know, of, well, we're trying to let go of these things. Why are we going to let more things in? But at the same time, it's nice because now we're, we're definitely saving money because I used to do this one in one out rule. You know, if I buy something new, I got to get rid of something old. Well, that's great, but you don't really get anywhere with that. Yeah, you, you just, just maintain. You just maintain. And so now it's, this is taking it to the next level. It's like, let's just reduce the spending. And just like like with weight loss, yeah, just take less cal- eat less calories. I mean, the less you eat, the the more you know weight you're gonna t- to lose and stuff. So, but anyway, I just find that this journey has actually helped us curb our spending because we're a lot more intentional about what we buy and allow into our homes now. It uh, it is a it is another level. I mean, it is a different step. Um, I think that removing physical clutter opens us up to to taking that decision of okay, I'm also going to buy less and purchase things. I. Uh, for me, you know, we, my first or second trip to Goodwill was fine and, and good, but by about the third or fourth van load of things to Goodwill, I, I really started asking myself some difficult questions. Mm. Of why did I buy this in the right. first place? What was I hoping this was going to accomplish? Was it really, was this coat really just going to keep me warmer? Or, you know, am I buying my third coat for for a different reason to impress people or because I bought into the, you know, the fashion industry or, or what was it? And, and so for me, it really forced me to, to journey inward on some of the motivations for spending my money and what I was thinking I was going to accomplish with that and um, caused me to curb my spending and, and hopefully start, you know, sending it to, to places that need it more than, um, more than the mall. That's great. Now, if someone asked what the benefits are to a lifestyle like yours, what would you tell them, Joshua? Uh, I, I tell them that the the benefits are very practical. Um, one of the one of the things I do when I um, when I when I talk on the on the topic is I, I make the the people turn to their neighbor and I say, answer this question: If I owned less stuff, how would my life be better? And it's amazing. the The room gets loud very quickly. <laughs> people, uh, people are never asked this question, and when they are, they, they don't have a hard time coming up with answers. Typically, it starts with, oh, man, I, I'd have, I could clean quicker. Uh, I would have more money. I, I would spend less time doing this, uh, less time doing that and fixing things. And, and the benefits are very, very real and and very true we we end up with we have we have more time we have more energy we have more we have more mental capacity even as we think less about shopping and and what we have uh we we spend less time comparing our lives to others Absolutely. at least um, on a on a physical uh, material possessions base it it frees us up from those things i I say ultimately it, it frees us up to pursue our passions. It, it, um, uh, it promotes what's most important to us and begins to remove the things that, that were distracting us from it and helps us uh, align, our, align our actions and, and uh, resources with the things that, that we find our greatest joy in in life. Wow. Well, Joshua, I think that is a absolutely perfect wrap-up to... <laughs> 
to everything we've discussed so far. If, if people aren't convinced now after, after hearing that, then they may never be. But, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add before we uh, close up? And uh, if you could also let us know how people can learn more about you and your journey. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I would just encourage listeners, uh, anyone who stumbled upon this podcast, whether they uh, subscribe or, or pick it up for the very first time, um, start small, start start somewhere, start start anywhere. Um, you know, pick a counter, uh, pick a uh, pick a room in your house, and and just start pulling things out that that you don't need. Go if you're not really taking the goodwill, throw them in a throw them in a box and and put them in a closet somewhere, and just allow new life, allow new breath uh, into your home. And, and I, I find that the, the small victories um, move people forward into the, into the bigger and bigger ones. So, wow, that's I, fantastic I would, advice. Yeah. And so is uh, becomingminimalist.com, uh, that's your home on the web, correct? That is the best place to find me, uh, becomingminimalist.com. And, and from there, if you, if you do Facebook, Twitter, email, I mean, any of those sorts of things, you can, uh, you can find them from there. But that would be the, the best place to send people. Thanks so much. Fantastic. And we'll also make sure we link to all of your, your books. Um, uh, do you sell those on the website, or should we send them directly to Amazon? Or what works best for you? They, uh, they, they are all on Amazon. That would be that would be the best place to send them. Fantastic. Well, you've been very inspirational. I was already motivated, but I'm even more motivated now. I just absolutely love hearing your advice. Really, really appreciate it, Joshua. Well, thanks again for the opportunity. I truly mean it. I, I love uh, sharing my story, love sharing the inspiration, and uh, any opportunity I can. Thanks. Well, wasn't that a terrific talk? It was awesome. I mean, seriously, what a genuine and nice guy and taking all that time for us. He's a class act for sure. Absolutely. I'm just so thankful that he took the time out for us. Well, all right. So this past week, I was in Las Vegas for the uh, 2013 New Media Expo and the Consumer Electronics Show, and uh, I thought I'd discuss some of my experiences there. Great. So uh, I'll let the irony of that sink in for a moment. A a guy (laughs) desperately trying to fight consumerism and simplify his life at the Consumer Electronics Show, the (laughs) largest consumer electronics show in history. Yeah. Over 100,000 people there. Really? So, yeah, trust me, the the irony wasn't lost on me as I was walking through there either. You know, obviously, I'm a tech guy and love technology, but uh, I was there because, as you know, I help my clients with their uh, tech for their businesses and even some individuals who just want tech coaching. So, it was really a business event for me rather than a personal one. So, first off, I, I walked the show with a couple of friends from morning until dinner time, and let me just say that the it show it really was pretty amazing. We walked nine miles and didn't even come close to seeing it all. Are you serious? Yeah, nine miles. Um, wow. If I had to guess, I'd say we saw maybe half, if that. Oh my gosh. But uh, yeah, my friend Cliff was wearing his Fitbit, and we clocked in at over nine miles. And I saw others tracking their distances on, I think it was Mashable or some site like that. And some of them were over 15 miles in one day. That is crazy. Yeah, it's uh, literally miles and miles of aisles. And companies from every country on the globe were there selling all their wares and all the new lines of gadgets from, I'm talking like from super high-tech robots to some things were just absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I bet. And I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll mention a few of those things here. So, you know, we talk about consumerism and advertising all the time and how it affects us. And, and like Joshua just said, 
5,000 ads a day we're typically exposed to. Well, the Consumer Electronics Show was like that, but on steroids, like full blast, <laughs> no holds barred, in your face, just crazy consumerism <laughs> extravaganza. Jeez. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I couldn't help but evaluate it all as I was going through the show. And really what struck me was the word lure, you know, like fishing lure. And advertising isn't meant to inform. It's like Joshua said, companies aren't spending billions on advertising because it doesn't work. That's right, right. You know, and I came to the conclusion that the intent of most advertising is simply to lure us. So when you're fishing, you have really two main options. You can use bait or you can use a lure. And with bait, at least the fish gets a taste of something before they take the big bite. And then they get hooked and get reeled in. But lures are nothing but flashy attention getters without any real substance that... Probably at least the fish just thinking, oh, snap. I got. <laughs> hope this is one of them catch and release guys, you know? You know? But I mean, there's no substance there. They don't even get a real taste. It's, oh. just, it's just a lure. Poor fish. Yeah. And at CES, lures were everywhere. As soon as you walk in the hall, there's, uh, or one of the halls, there's, there's swag bags that are just there for the taking. And most of the booths are giving out little samples of this or information about that. Mm-mm. And then, uh, and then probably the most sinister of the lures are what are known as booth babes. Right? <laughs> booth babes. Of course, mostly women, of course, but uh, they didn't completely forget about what the ladies like either. Oh, there was okay. guys there too. But there, uh, there was absolutely no subtlety to it at all. And, um, well, it's Vegas and all. Well, it's Vegas. But, you know, when I was thinking, then again, you know, you, when you consider print and TV advertisements today, it really was just a live version of that. Oh, geez. Well... So, what you love, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after all the walking around, uh, not much at the show really impressed me as new or innovative or, or must-have, really. really. Yeah, after all that wow. stuff. Some of the products uh, I did like were the new ScanSnap scanner. Ooh, we're fans. Yeah, big-time fans of that. Um, some really, really nice Harman Kardon headphones that, uh, I mean, they just fit perfectly, had amazing sound, and could be used uh, corded or cordless. They're Bluetooth. Nice. And, um, you know, I can't stand cords. So, And then finally, the, the coolest thing that I, I saw was this wheel thing that you can, like, ride around on. Like, you know, the segways that right. you uh-huh. get on it and lean? Well, this was one, uh, just a single wheel with a small platform on each side where you put each foot on. So you're straddling like this 12-inch diameter wheel, and then you you just go. It's weird. It's like some serious Jetsons stuff there. I mean, <laughs> if you know what the Jetsons are, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. But, I mean, it was really cool. But uh, that, that was like the coolest thing I saw. Cool. And on the ridiculous end were these $1,000 earbuds. Wow. I mean, really, that's, seriously, that's $1,000 for earbuds. Yeah, no way. And then and then the, the worst thing was the iPod-y. The iPod. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, taking one of nature's most basic functions, you know, like kids learning how to go to the bathroom and adding an iPod or an iPad to the front of it. So it was like this big, it's long one ex- piece, one piece, like a long extended toilet with like this little how desk thing in front for your iPad. So how we ever learned to pee and poo until now, <laughs> I have no idea. And, and at first, seriously though, at first I looked at it and was like, that's pretty cool, potty with an iPad. I even said they ought to call it the iPotty before I even knew what it, before I even knew what the name was. You know, of course, because you put an I in front of anything and it's got to be fantastic. Yeah, right. But in a split second, I, I remembered back to when the kids were potty training and thought, you know, they're totally preying on our perceived inadequacies and, and all the self-doubt you go through as a parent. 
Yeah, and you're right. They do. That's all that thing was. And what's the effect on kids? I mean, seriously, is uh, you know helping little digital Dora down the path while you're looking out for Swiper really going <laughs> to make learning how to go to the bathroom any easier? You know, I doubt it. I want, I want our little one to be worried about wiping, not swiping, you know? <laughs> and so, but I look at this thing was just absolutely ridiculous. Oh, that but, is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But so what I remember the most out of the whole day, without a doubt, was sitting down to dinner at Benihana's with my friends uh, Cliff Ravenscraft from gspn.tv and a new friend, Gordon Firemark of firemark.com. And it was Gordon's birthday meal. And if I recall correctly, it's like he's got a 26-year record of, uh, of going to Benihana's for his birthday. Oh, interesting. And, and nice. so I really, really, in the end, that what I cherish about the day most was personal experiences I had with friends. So, that's usually what it is at conferences. I mean, yeah. a lot of information is well, either repeated or just kind of rehashed. Yeah, uh, exactly. I'm just the, the same thing goes for the New Media Expo. There were all sorts of new media producers there, for, you know, bloggers, podcasters, video producers, you name it. And I really enjoyed it, and the NMX staff did a wonderful job. But in the end, really, I got as much value from the natural interaction, you know, interaction and the mingling, and I guess some would call it networking, right. but uh, as I did from the speakers and the sessions. And it really was just awesome meeting meeting new people and new friends. Right. It's just like any of the conferences I've been to, business conferences, it's more about, yeah, the networking, but and the inspiration and motivation and, and just the context. Yeah, you learn as much in the hallway as you do in the hall, really. Right, there you go. So, yeah, once again, I think it's an example of paying for experiences and opportunities as opposed to paying for stuff. And I, and I think that's a key mind shift. And, and Joshua confirmed that, too, in his talk with us today. So, you know... Through it all, as I was walking through, you know, you got to ask yourself, if I had twice as much stuff, would I be twice as happy? Mm. And what, if, what about if I had three times more stuff? Right. You know, well, what if I had half? Mm-hmm. And I know what the answer is for me, and, you know, only you know what the right answer is for you. But, uh, you know, the next time you feel yourself getting reeled in by advertising, try to figure out if they're using bait or just a lure. Mm. And maybe using freemium products and services were, you know, the ones where you get to try it out first or, or buy uh, from sellers that have a solid return policies or satisfaction promises, or better yet, like we talked about before, they have high consumer ratings or reviews. Right, right. Maybe, you know, maybe that's a better option. But in the end, I think we all just need to choose more wisely and watch out yeah. for the lures, the lures in life yeah. and, and maybe help a few of the other fish in the sea out while you're at it. That's awesome. Well, that's that's really interesting, especially going to the Consumer Electronics Show. And and uh, if I recall, you didn't really bring anything back, did you? I brought two things back. What, what, I brought a tiny little aluminum carabiner because I know you hang stuff in the closet with those. So oh, that's right. yep. I kept one of those. And the, and the zipper, it's like this zipper. Um, what are Lanyard. Those? Lanyard for, mm-hmm. for your conference ID badge. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And it was your Get Simplified. Oh, and color, one more so. thing. You got a label for... Our daughter's luggage, right? Oh, yeah, luggage tag from the from the company that owns the .me, .me domain. Mm-hmm. They were very nice. So very I guess we better subtract those three items from our edit and forget, forget it. it. Speaking <laughs> of edit and forget it, don't you have a quick update for us, don't you? I do. Okay, let's hear it. Well, we wanted to give you an update on our edit and forget it challenge. And to date, we've gotten rid of 322 items. Ooh. Yeah, a lot. And actually, we got rid of 120 things on the first day. That's pretty big. We were so excited. Yeah, it was like Purge Fest 2013. <laughs> Not bad for just Edit starting. Edit Fest, I should say. <laughs> Edit Fest 2013. That's right. Um, you know, and 
that's kind of a good start, I would say. Yeah, I think so too. Um, We've also created a spreadsheet to track all the items and what we've done with them. So did we donate it, toss it, recycle it, sell it, or whatnot? Right, and and now that we have those tweaked, we did a little troubleshooting on those, so we'll be sending those out to the people who signed up for the Edit and Forget It Challenge. We'll be getting those, uh, an email with those in soon. Right, and additionally, we've been taking photos and keeping notes on our observations, discoveries, and even some funnies along the way. And so we'll be sharing with those with you as well. Uh, but just to give you a little sample of some of the things that we've noticed is that, or we've experienced, is when we were editing one time, <laughs> uh, we were going through my memorabilia box. It had some stuff from college and high school and just some silly things I was collecting. And I started going down memory lane. And I, no, I was boring Dan to death you over there. You went far down memory lane. <laughs> right. I even read a letter from a boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, who does that? Who does that? Yeah, I can honestly say I've never read letters from my boyfriend. <laughs> well, good. Honestly. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I read one from a former boyfriend. And, you know, but luckily Dan and I have an amazing relationship. And, you know, it was just kind of silly. And it wasn't anything crazy. It was just, it was a nice, sweet letter. But that has now been discarded. I no longer need that, right? Because nobody can compete with Dan the man. There you go. There right, you go. Babe? Hey, points. You got points on that one. <laughs> right on. <laughs> you know, and but also when we were editing, I got busted by our five year old. Oh yeah. I tried This I, is funny. I tried to toss out like, you know, a little hair scrunchie and she totally busted me red handed. And I was like, she's like, mommy, you can't throw that away. And, and honestly, I really didn't think she liked it. I really didn't think she wanted to, to use it. But apparently, she likes to use it as a bracelet. Well, who wouldn't? Who knew? Yep. Who knew? Yep. <laughs> a pink polka dot scrunchy bracelet. Why not, right? <laughs> um, you know, but we also discovered, you know, sometimes when you're going through the editing process, sometimes it can bring up some bad feelings, right, Dan? Occasionally, yeah. Where are you, where are you like, going with this? Like the universal remote that you we got years ago. <laughs> and it was like, the I pulled this thing out. I was like, Dan, what do you want to do with this thing? This universal remote that it we was don't gonna use? Be, it was going to be life-changing. It was going to be awesome for us, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it ended up being the bane of his, his existence. It just totally frustrated him. Um, and you know, for a techie, you know, something that was supposed to be so simple ended up not being yeah, so simple. It didn't it, it simplify didn't, our lives at all. It was... It, it didn't meet what we wanted it to meet, and and but, I, go ahead. But he hasn't given up hope because not yet, no, it didn't make it to the donate pile. <laughs> no, <laughs> what did you say? The only thing it switched on was his frustration. My frustration, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it's one of those things. I have to deal with it. It's an emotion. What's like uh, we spent? I think I spent seventy bucks yeah. on that thing back in the day, mm-hmm. and it's like well, I spent seventy bucks, and it totally beat me. <laughs> and and I have to deal with that. I have to conquer that thing, and then and then I'll decide whether I want it or not. If I don't want it, it doesn't fit my needs. <laughs> there then I'll you toss go. It. But I'm not just going to throw away a seventy dollar item. So what do you say? Just one more chance, and then just we'll one make more it chance. One more chance. Let's give it one more chance. Yeah. And well, and I wanted to mention too. There's a couple of things that we found that we got rid of, and that we forgot that we even had, and it was just kind of funny. Like I found some caution tape. <laughs> I mean, and it wasn't for a crime, a crime scene. scene. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but I had caution. And then I, re- I remembered that I used it for a big garage renovation project for a client. I didn't want people to walk on the new concrete floors. And so I yeah. cautioned what, what was the other thing? Um, uh, a feather duster. Like yes. an actually no kidding feather duster. Like the old school, yeah. like French made feather dusters. Yes. <laughs> that was Dan's too, by the way. <laughs> that wasn't mine. But I'm like, 
Really? I often dress as a French maid. And it makes me feel... <laughs> what did you, know, you say, though? It was like... It's like this molting chicken on the end of a stick because the feathers would like, be coming out. I mean, yeah. it was like... It was doing the opposite of what you were hoping to do. Yeah. It kind of does. <laughs> yeah, you're right, at you're the right. same time, it was just spewing feathers everywhere. It was falling apart. Yeah. So that's long gone now. And then and then a total random thing I found that were Christmas golf towels. I mean, we don't even golf. <laughs> are we doing with christmas it was a guilt towels? gift right i don't know what yeah, yeah right it was a guilt gift yeah. <laughs> oh anyway yeah we kept that we have no idea why we have it <laughs> so we probably were storing it for probably four or five six years and yeah. absolutely didn't use it so that yep. was kind of a funny anywho's for those of you who have signed up for the edit and forget it challenge thank you so much we're excited to go along this challenge with you and we're going to send you you know like we said the copy of our spreadsheet along with some pictures and some thoughts on the journey and maybe a few pointers along the way but if you haven't signed up and you're interested, you can go to SimpleLifeTogether.com and click on the Edit and Forget It icon on the left-hand side of the page. Remember, it's not just about letting go of your things. It's about renewing your mindset. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's not about the numbers. It's about evaluating what's important in your life. So, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the thing segment. All right. Well, the thing segment for me is, as I was going through my Google Reader this morning, I came across an article titled, Live Different by Pete Tegeler. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and he writes on a blog called The Unitive. And in the article, he talks about living in a place of tension and the struggle between escapism, i.e. when you feel threatened, and conformity, like the need to feel relevant. And he also talks about the struggles of pluralism and materialism. Now, he relates to these struggles with his faith, which I relate to as well. But while I was reading this article, it also struck a nerve with me and how I think about our journey towards a simpler life. Mm -hmm. He mentions a quote, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I mean, that's what this journey is all about for us. Yeah. And so, you know, as a matter of fact, a couple of days ago, I was talking to Dan about how our journey to live a simpler life has made me realize that it is helping to renew our minds and that we are so different from many of the people that we know and that we love and that we interact with. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're really kind of the oddballs. A lot of people don't understand us and the simplifying thing, and, all that, and that's okay. I know, and, and that's, that's the thing, and that's why I like this article, because it made me think about this stuff. Although we're excited about it and have already felt the amazing effects of living with less, it, it never really occurred to me that we are different, but we are, and oh, I'm yeah. totally okay with that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of folks would think we're crazy for going on a 14-day juice fast right, right. <laughs> or eating low-carb meals, no bread. What? Yeah. <laughs> or building an office shed in our backyard. The world shed quarters. The world shed quarters. Or leaving steady, paying professions and yearning to live in a home that's only a thousand square feet or less. I mean, that's definitely not the norm. <laughs> not no, to mention not. ironic because we both came from very from military backgrounds that really depended on conformity. But anywho, it was a great read that made me think and smile and, well, just kind of made me laugh about our uniqueness. That's cool. So, yeah. what's your thing? My thing, well, when I was in Vegas, uh, one night I had the, the TV on and I saw Governor Mike Huckabee interviewing a lady named Laura Schroff and a man named Maurice uh, Mazik. And they have an incredible story that honestly I felt I was totally moved by this and I felt like uh, I was compelled to pass it on. It's about a book that this woman, Laura, wrote. And I'm, I'm just going to read a snippet from the book's website, all right? Honestly, it's a little teaser at the end, but uh, I don't put that up front, but I hope people take a, an opportunity to go check this thing out. Laura writes, Hi, my name is Laura Schroff, and An Invisible Thread is the story of my friend Maurice and me. 
We met on 56th Street in Manhattan in 1986 when I was a 35-year-old single, successful ad sales executive, and he was an 11-year-old homeless panhandler. He asked me for spare change. I ignored him and kept walking. But something made me stop and turn around and go back to him, and that day I took him to lunch at McDonald's. We met the Monday after that and the following Monday, and every Monday for the next four years, and hundreds of times after that. Today, 25 years later, we are still great friends. An Invisible Thread is the story of how Maurice changed my life, and I his. It is the story of how two people who needed each other somehow became unlikely friends against all odds. It's the story of the mysterious, unseen connections that exist between people who are destined to meet, and how, if only we open our eyes and our hearts to them, these connections can be the great blessings of our lives. So that's it. That's just a little snippet. And seriously, I'm looking forward to reading this story. And you can find out more about it at aninvisiblethread.com. And the interview that I watched with Governor Huckabee is there on the site. So watch that. It's 11 minutes long. It's very, very well spent. And uh, my favorite part is the story of the paper bag. And Hmm. I know that's a teaser, but you'll be be glad you watched it. Again, it's at uh, aninvisiblethread.com. And that's my thing. Great. That's awesome. Okay, so that's it for episode 11 of Simple Life Together. Today, we had a great talk with Joshua Becker from becomingminimalist.com. Please check out his website, and we have links to his books in the show notes. And Dan talked about lures in the 2013 Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas. And the thing that got Vanessa thinking this week was a blog post titled Live Different by Pete Tegeler from theunitive.com. And my thing was an interview Mike Huckabee did with Laura and Maurice from the book An Invisible Thread. You can see the interview at aninvisiblethread.com. So that'll do it for today. We're blessed to be able to share some ideas and some of our experiences as we journey toward a simpler life in the modern world. And we'd like to hear some of your experiences, too. To make sure you don't miss an episode, the best thing to do is subscribe to the show. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast directories, or you can go to simplelifetogether.com slash RSS and subscribe there as well. If you get a chance, review the show on iTunes, and remember, you can find all the show notes at simplelifetogether.com. Connect with us on Twitter at Daniel Hayes or at Get Simplifies. You can find links to our Twitter and Google Plus profiles on simplelifetogether.com. As always, we love to hear from you, so be sure to leave comments below the show notes or voicemail on the site. Feel free to plug your show or your site, and we'll talk about it on a future episode. We got some feedback from some folks, and we're going to catch up on that on the next episode. We don't want to make this one too long, but thank you, everyone, who took the time to leave us some feedback. And don't forget, you can always go old school and send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. So until next time, we hope you enjoy your simple life together.